You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 258 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? It's not like we haven't been <laughs> talking for the last hour doing all our tech <laughs> checks, right? <laughs> I know, technology, it's like um, it can be challenging. It yeah, can but be we, we sorted but it I out. We, we, in the end. Well, I think we got I think we got it in the end. It was like came down to Bluetooth, didn't it, in the end? We yes, hope. Yes. So what have you been up to? Oh my god, I've had a big week. I'm just so wrecked. I just feel like I've been turned inside out, Val. You know, you've ever had those mm. weeks? Oh yes, I'm pretty tired this week. <laughs> so, but, but do you want to know um, a highlight for me? Tell you me. know how uh, I have all these uh, imaginary characters that live in my head? Yes, I do. <laughs> so I was dealing with a government department this week oh. and I came face to face with Jan from Accounts. I could oh, barely contain my joy. I just, mm. I had to be, uh, you know, it was a pretty serious um, interview that we were conducting, serious matters, but inside right. I'm just going, oh, my God, it's Jan. It's yes. Jan. And on the wall behind her she had uh, all her certificates of 25 <laughs> years of service and 30 years of service and 35 years of service. And if I was ever casting Jan from Accounts, <laughs> In a movie, it yes. would be this woman, and it took all everything in me to not tell her oh that my you are Jan, and to not call her Jan because her name yes. was not Jan. Okay. But it was very, very, and and then I just I wanted to photograph her. I had the fo- the the office was perfect. It was just a perfect moment <laughs> for me. In case anyone is confused, you are actually listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. And this week's episode is really cool. It's about the ultimate guide to photographing small, medium and large groups of people. But sometimes Gina makes reference to certain things. And yeah. Jan from Accounts, in case you're not from Australia, uh, she's derived from a character in an advertisement for Yellow Pages. Remember those things? And... Um, and she's meant to be basically somebody who works in a corporate environment yep. and she's just one of those people who's worked there for a very long time. And um, anyway, she's Jan from Accounts. But yeah. Gina has extrapolated that to not only represent that character from from the advertisement, um, which is a very famous advertisement, uh, but she's she's basically using Jan from Accounts as any kind of bureaucrat that she comes across yes just in case you need that background yes so we will get to photography soon but clearly Gina's venting about Jan from accounts 
I loved it. And then I'm currently, Val, I am surrounded by hundreds of hard drives because what I have been doing um, in the last few days is upgrading all my uh, archives. So what I have is from when I first started shooting digital, which was in the year 2000. uh, And um, if there are any listeners that were born in that year, tell me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you think we have any that young? I don't know. Maybe. maybe. But, know. but so I started uh, backing up to hard drives back in 2000 and uh, from all the research and investigation I've done, and that was uh, cornering anyone who knew anything about hard drives, mm. they all have said that it's not a matter of if, but it's when they fail. Okay, so the the advice I got is every few years, take your hard drives and get a new one and move your data along. So that's what I've been doing. And uh, so what what is the good news is that space is, uh, you know, storage is getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Like the first hard drives I was paying, you know, 350, 400 Australian dollars for about, um, 500 megabytes of, of storage, right? And yeah, now you can yeah, get, yeah. I, I just bought a six terabyte hard drive and that and I paid less than $200 for that. And I can get so much onto it because obviously file sizes back in 2000 were much smaller than they are now. So I'm moving yes. everything along and it's a time consuming process. So I've got one computer that is just mm. the moving data along uh, hard drive. And then what I'm waiting for is what you can get is solid state hard drives, so they have no moving parts. So it's basically like a, a CF card, only bigger. And so these are, are, are fantastic, but they're super expensive at the moment, and they're a lot smaller than a than a hard drive which has moving parts, and that's what goes wrong. So ho- I'm hoping that in the next couple of years, and next time I have to do this. I'll be backing up onto solid state hard drives and that will make my um, life a lot easier. So, But it's something that you definitely want to think about doing and uh, thinking about you know, making sure that you uh, keep your hard drives up to date and then you're turning them on and ju- don't just put your stuff there and then put it away and then hope in five years' time that that device is going to work. Don't want to scare and everyone when Gina at the top says, of the show and when Gina says that she was has you know often hit people up about their advice and you know on hard drives and researching hard drives I actually had visions of I don't know if you remember Gina but one night very very late at night I think we were at Cookie I don't know if Cookie <laughs> is even still it's around still ar- oh, yeah. in Melbourne <laughs> right. anyway it was late at night and um, we were there and they were, we were talking to a couple of guys who were trying to chat us up. Or really, they were trying to pick up Gina. They were considerably younger than us. And um, <laughs> Was I they, sober? They, you know, <laughs> I, I can't remember. But they were, I, you know, no doubt, well, one of them was trying to hit on you. And I was like the wing woman and the other guy was like the wingman. And um, all Gina wanted to talk about was hard drives. <laughs> Because somehow they knew about hard drives. I can't right, remember there why. You go. And well, she wanted to talk to just talk about hard drives, and then she got the information she needed from the guy who was keen on her. Like I said, they were considerably younger than us, and um, and uh, but they but then they wouldn't leave, even though we she had obtained the information she needed about the hard drives, and um. So she dropped in, and I'm sure this is completely untrue, of course, that she was related to a very famous 
member of the Melbourne underworld, and you could not have seen these guys leave so quick. <laughs> I can't even remember that, Val. The stuff you, you remember. These guys just hightailed it out. <laughs> I remember everything. Wow. Anyway, so, go. yeah, the, I, I second the statement that she researches hard drives, even in, you know, it <laughs> ungodly hours of the evening but um, yeah do right. do do so, back up your files and even if like do back up your phone files because you change people change phones every two to three years where are those photos don't just rely on the mm, cloud true. download the photos put them on a hard drive and label where they are because the, I, I know that there, there's going to be generations of um kids and families that like don't have any archive of their photos because there's some we, we get rid of computers and we forget to back up the hard drive. So, you know, mm. please back them up. The storage is cheap these days. All right. So let's move on. Before we get on to our topic about the ultimate guide to photographing small, medium and large groups of people, we have a constructive critique for Mike. So Mike has posted a, a photo. Oh, by the way, and everyone if you have not yet joined our awesome listener community, make sure you do join because that's where we share photos and stuff like that. Um, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. But Mike has posted a photo and um, has said, I'm curious about opinions. I like the overall shot, but I'm not sure I'm digging the horizon line. Thoughts? Now, we've posted the photo in the show notes, which you can find at ginamilitia.com, and it's a photo of a young woman, um, a, a beautiful young woman, who is sitting kind of like in long grass. And um, the long grass is in the foreground, and then there's her kind of immediately straight after the long grass. And um, it's really at dusk, but clearly Mike has lit the foreground where the young woman is. And in the background, quite into the distance, there's basically a bunch of trees, which are, because they're because of the depth of field and because of the time of day, they're, they're blurred outs, but you can tell they're kind of trees. And the trees kind of are in the middle third and then there's sky that is the 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 dusk sky which is slightly lighter above that so gina yeah so uh thanks for sharing this image mike and mike is a regular contributor to the uh so you want to be a photographer podcast community facebook page and uh very generous uh commenting on other people's shots and also a Great photographer. So this image is all about the one percenters, Mike. I think you've done a lovely job posing and directing and composing this image. Beautiful. A couple of, there's just like three or four things that are going to just take this image to the next level. Now, the concerns I have with this image is because you've shot into a bank of trees that are not... Um, because it's dusk, anything that you photograph that's green, what happens with green is it absorbs light. So often green photographs is very dark green or black. And so what you've got in the background due to the shallow depth of field is like a uh, a large mass of They're black. They're discernible. Yeah, behind her. Uh, the problem is that the female that, the model that you photographed also has black hair. So her hair, 
uh, merges. Well, she might into not the... have black hair, but it looks black. It looks in this... black. It looks dark in this so, photo. So yeah. what happens is it merges into the tree line, and unfortunately, um, the tree line is kind of odd shaped, and it is a little bit distracting. So in answer to your question, uh, you're not digging the horizon line. Uh, I agree with you, Mike. I think it is a little bit distracting. So. Um, if you were uh, seeing this on the back of the camera and you had time on the shoot, I would uh, change the camera angle slightly so that there was uh, – or look for uh, another angle where the tree line was higher and, and way above the girl's head so that it wasn't sort of cutting through into her head and wasn't as distracting. The other thing that – I think you needed to do for this image because she has that dark hair is I know you've lit the front uh, and you've lit it really nicely. It's it's really nice soft light, but it, there needs to be some more separation between the hair and that tree line. So I think it, it does need a hair light, hair light. Uh, as well. So, and uh, the other thing, uh, just as an aside with this model is I noticed that there is a... Um, quite a difference uh, between the color of the model's face and the color of her hand and her arms. So she's got makeup on her face, which is like almost a couple of shades darker than, than it is on her body and her hands. So if you were working with a makeup artist, generally what they do is they would ha apply a little bit of a tanner, like a bronzer to the arms and particularly the hands. So there isn't that uh, huge discrepancy between the hand and the face. So that's just something to keep in mind, Mike. And I know you do a lot of these model shoots. I'm not sure if you're working with makeup artists. If you're not, maybe it might be worth your while just to get uh, uh, like a generic um, sort of bronzer in your kit and there are ones that apply for that you can use on all skin tones and it's like if you want a darker uh, sh sort of sh shade of tan you apply more and less if you want a, a lighter tone just to sort of match the hands to the face does that make sense Val? Yeah that makes sense and also just another tip which um, if you are working with people with darker hair on a regular basis or you, you shoot someone with darker hair because I have dark and I was often being photographed um, on stage where there was really often black curtains in yeah. in the back and there's no opportunity to hair light when you're on stage because also the hair light would potentially shine into the eyes of the audience but there's just there just isn't that opportunity so um the great tip that you so gina basically uh and i asked uh, a makeup artist how do we resolve this and she said just get foils <laughs> just yeah. get highlights so that's what i did and resolved the problem forevermore yeah, it does make a huge so that you, difference. That, so that there's a separation, and then and you don't, and, and even if you don't have the hair light, the the regular light can shine on your highlights and makes your hair separate from the black background. Yeah, but so but in case yeah, it's just you, solved you, so many problems. You can't always get your model to get foils for for a shoot. So in this instance, yep. what I've done, Mike, with this shot is there are a couple of things you can do in post-production. So if you uh, don't have the opportunity, I think a little second speed light, just to add a little dook of light. Dook is my technical term for a Very small technical. amount of light just over the hair. And when you've got dark hair, uh, you can actually put a fair amount of light onto the hair and it'll give you a, just a nice highlight. You've got to be more careful when you're... Uh, 
doing it on white hair, lighter colored hair, because you can blow the hair out and that's mm. that's not what you want. But just even a silver reflector mic um, held mm. off somewhere off camera will pick up the light that you're bouncing into her face, reflect onto the hair and give you like a little bit of separation between the trees and the hairline. Um, Given that you've already done the shot, there are a few things, and I've, I've actually uh, had a go at editing the image and to show you uh, the difference. And what I've done is uh, just uh, taken this image into Photoshop and uh, lifted the uh, shadows in the background, and I've uh, changed the, the trees, picked up more detail in the color of the trees. So they're still out of focus, but I've just picked up more green and now, because I've, I've opened up the shadows, there is separation between the hair and the background, and I think that helps that shot uh, uh, quite a lot. The other thing that I've done is, um, because of how you've lit the shot, the foreground is so brightly lit that it makes the background look even darker just by comparison, right? So what I've done is I've also burnt in the foreground a little bit because what you want in an image is you want the model to be the hero of the shot. So I've, I've dropped the exposure in the foreground just by using a, a curves adjustment layer and I dropped that down and so just made that foreground a little bit darker and so now the first place the eyes go when we look at the, the this image is straight to the model's face. Uh, the final thing that I did was I also, using that curves adjustment layer, I just darkened the skin tone on her arms and her hand so that it's uh, kind of uh, similar to the tone of her face so that it just makes it all match in a bit better. So they're just a couple of little, and these are all, little one percenters and this is this is uh all the sort of stuff that i spend all my time with the goldies working on uh just because it's this is these are the all the little things that are going to make your images uh stand out from the crowd and uh you know take your work to the next level and i think those little tweaks have made a huge difference to to this image and and uh just giving it that final polished look and if you want to find out what it means to be a Goldie that is being part of Gina's Gold community, have a listen to this. One of the great things about being part of the community is exactly that, the community. The feedback and support you get from fellow members of the Gold community at ginamilitia.com is invaluable. I asked Natalie Ord about this. What has your experience been with the Gold community and uh, what advice would you have for any of the uh, listeners who might be thinking about joining? Uh, well, it's been great having all of your uh, tutorials to access, but again, um, some of the work for me, I've got to keep it somewhat confidential and because it's a closed community, I can put it up there and get feedback for people, yeah, so I yeah. love that. Yep. Um, so that is really helpful because often when you're staring at things for a while, you, you can't see things. You're just having that different perspective. But the, the range of skills that people are in the gold community is fantastic. So, and you learn from everyone regardless of their skill level. Thanks to you and Val and the rest of the community for just being so generous with your time and your knowledge. It really, really is amazing. It's like no other place. So thank you so much. It's uh, a credit to you guys and 
my work and my uh, growth is attributed to participating in the community. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, just go to ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, there we go. Now, this week's episode is about the ultimate guide to photographing small, medium and large groups of people. This is really cool because this is something that we have faced all the time. When when our friends finally find out that we're into photography, they'll say, oh, can you shoot our 21st or can you shoot our wedding or can you shoot our whatever? And invariably, it involves groups, you know, or can you shoot the people in our office? So this is this is a... Good one, Gina. Where do we start on it this? Is. There's been a lot of discussion both in the So You Want to Be a Photographer Facebook community about shooting groups and also in the goal community about shooting groups. So I thought Yeah, and I, would... I have to say Gina is fantastic at shooting groups because she shoots um, television and movie casts all the time and they require so many people with so many different... <sighs> personalities and egos and and they look different as well and so it's um she has mastered the art of photographing groups i just think that i've learned so much about about shooting groups from gina thanks so yeah where do we start thanks Val. do you know what i think it comes down to playing with lego as a child because it's <laughs> okay. like understanding building blocks because that's if you if you change your mindset about photographing groups into I'm going to build a shape out of all these bodies that's interesting and that Mm. flows nicely you're going to get a great group shot so the thing about being asked as a photographer to photograph a large group it's it's nerve-wracking on so many different levels as you said there's so many different personalities there's so Mm. many different body types so if you're a, a shy kind of person or just sort of getting into photography you've got all of these um people to deal with and I can tell you now that I'm very confident photographing groups now but Mm. when I started out I hated shooting groups and it gave me so much anxiety for that reason that I had to stand in front of a group of people which is probably most people's greatest fears standing in front of a group of people and telling them what to do so often when you're new to this you can uh, let the shoot be hijacked by whoever's loudest in the group and there's someone else Mm. telling you what to do and even if you have all these great ideas in your head someone else can come along and go oh well let's just do it or you're uh, the other thing that happens is you're rushed. So hopefully I'm at, by the end of this episode, I'm going to give you the ultimate uh, checklist and guide that you'll have in your head. You can maybe put it onto your phone or print it out onto a piece of paper and that you have this information, more power to you when you, you do your uh, big group shot. So, um, and, and, and I'm just going to share my entire thought process big download here so okay, that even a newbie is going to manage to uh, nail the photo shoot. So first off, Val, I want to yes. talk about uh, it all comes down to the planning. So whenever you're approached mm-hmm. to can you photograph a group, if you're just going to turn up on the day and hope for the best, then you're mm-hmm. kind of setting yourself up for failure really because you might get lucky and there might be good light that happens at, th- at that time of day and you might happen to find uh, a good location. But if you have time, I strongly suggest that you pre-plan the location you want to shoot in mm. and what you want to be looking for. So remember, we've got lots of different people, lots of different body sizes wearing 
different kinds of clothes. So already there's a hot mess going on in front of you, all this stuff going on. You don't want to add to that by having a hot mess of a background. So what you want to look for is, and, and even though, the, 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 and, and this is where it comes down to taking control of the shoot and don't leave it to Jan from accounts <laughs> to tell you what to do because Jan is going to go, and what we were planning is it would be lovely that we do it in front of the rose garden where there are 50,000 different rose bushes, all different colours. Beyond that, there's a lovely pergola and beyond that, there is a lovely chain mesh <laughs> fence and yeah. a few poles and all of that. So don't let someone else decide where it needs to be sh- shot. Go and, and yeah. look for these uh, key, key um, things that I'm going to mention now. So you want to look for neutral backgrounds with um, minimal clutter so you want to look for clean open spaces that's very important you don't need the beautiful backdrop for the group shot you know it's it's not it's the larger the group the less of a background you need so basically sky grass you know a desert uh, an empty room is all you need the personality will be filled or, or just simple block colors or very simple backgrounds for a start all right. Yeah. The other thing, and this is crucial, and I can't tell you how many times early on in my career because I dif- didn't plan where, you know, some Jan from accounts has said, yeah, so we want you to photograph, um, and they all speak like this. Well, can I just say, we apologize to anyone called Jan. This is no reflection we love on Jan. the name Jan. Yeah. Uh, um, where they've said, okay, uh, we want you to photograph, you know, 30 board members and, uh, you yeah, know, we've got a great space in mind and you get there on the day and they've got you in this tiny three metre by, you know, three metre square room and everyone's stuffed into a corner and because it looks good on their phone uh, and they've got a super wide mm-hmm. lens but it doesn't work on your camera and so you're, you're crammed into a corner and everyone is pretty much on top of each other crammed in because you've, that's the space they've given you. So you want to look for, A, you need mm. depth so that you can get back. And I think the ideal focal length to shoot a group shot is somewhere between 50 millimetres to 100 millimetres. All right. And, and that's because when you shoot long, it compresses the background. Everyone looks fantastic. You don't want to be in a situation where you're forced into a tiny space and you have to pull out the super wide lens, which which distorts everyone. So everyone at the front of the group mm. is going to look huge and everyone at the back of the group is going to have pinheads and look small. <laughs> All right. So that's the thing. You So you need depth. The other thing you want is width in the room. You want space to spread everyone out so that like, you know, the, 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 Worst scenario for a group shot is when everyone is not only just touching each other, but they're on, they're overlapping each other, and it's just like a mass of bodies, and it just feel, it always feels so crowded. So, like whenever I'm critiquing a lot of group shots, the first thing I'll say is spread them out. It looks more luxurious to spread them out, and then you've got the opportunity to pose everyone nicely, and it just looks a lot nicer. And the other thing is. 
you want to keep it simple and make sure that you don't have the horizon line going through everybody's head. So you want to be able to position yourself oh, so you've yeah. got the horizon line nice and low. So I like to have it mid-body or lower. So these are the things that you want to plan out when you're looking for locations to do your group shots. And the first one is always the trickiest. The first few are the hardest. After you've got a few under your belt, you're going to know exactly what to look for and you'll be able to spot these a lot quicker but for the first ones go check out the location source everything and make sure that you've got the width and the depth to shoot with the lenses that you want and give the space to the to the group that you need all right yeah all right that makes sense okay so next up the most important thing is you want to think about the time of day that you're shooting now if you're shooting inside and you're going to light the shoot obviously it doesn't matter but if you're a beginner, it's probably a good idea to try and shoot with daylight so you're not having to contend with the added uh, frustration of having to work with uh, lights as well. So you want to avoid the uh, harsh daylight. So you want to avoid sort of the middle part of the day and that can be depending on where you live anywhere between sort of 11 to 3 um, in the afternoon and you want to maybe try and get it in early morning or late afternoon where the, the light is a lot softer and what you're sourcing when you're looking for your locations is somewhere where there is nice open solid shade so if you've got an area that like you can put the people in the shade of a building you know that's kind of solid shade Mm. a building casts a shadow that is solid yeah whereas if you want to place the group and I made this mistake I just was kicking myself because you can't pick up dappled light to the naked eye I love that word. I, it gets me every time. The naked eye. Which one? Dappled no, or naked? No, the naked eye. Okay. Well, what, oh, what's okay. the opposite of then? Are your eyes ever dressed, Val? <laughs> so, sunglasses. I guess. But if you've got a, a canopy of trees, often the shade looks solid to the naked eye. But what you'll find is the camera is a lot more sensitive and it's going to pick up the subtle tones and you're going to find that you'll have little blotches of light on all your group and that that's what happened to me. I did a family portrait. Uh, everyone loved the shots. I was loving myself sick. That's not the um, Aussie term of the week, but that's just my way. <laughs> and I was strutting around going, I'm so good. This is such a good shot. And then I saw the photos and it was filmed back then and everyone had oh. dappled blotches all over them. It was awful. Okay. Oh. So just look for a solid canopy of light. So shade of a building, um, a tree overhangs, not fantastic. And the other um, disadvantage of working out in the grass is you might get a green cast over everyone, which can be fixed in post. But look for solid shade uh, as well. And you also want to avoid having overly bright backgrounds because you've got to remember that uh, the, the eye is drawn to the brightest part of the image. So if you've got this white hot sky in the background, that's where the eye is going to go first. So uh, just look for simple um, open shade is a winner when you're shooting groups, okay? Keeping it simple. And also much easier if you're going to be introducing lighting to that scenario. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now, the next one, posing, which is probably the hardest. Yes. Now, 
that's that's that is the thing that you know it can make the difference between a good shot and a bad one exactly so val i guess you would probably remember little val getting her first mm-hmm. group photo how <laughs> old would you have been when you were in part of your first group photo what do you mean like the first ever? time you How were ever in a group photo a large group of maybe let's say 30 people Either birthday parties or school. school. Geez, you went to big birthday parties. School yeah. and the school photo. And tell me um, what that looked like, your school photo. Well, when I was younger, I was actually tall. I am no longer tall because <laughs> at some point I stopped growing. So in for my first, you know, six to eight years of high school, not high school, school. So until about year eight, um, I was always in the middle. I saw you in the middle row. Well, middle everything. Yeah. Because I was one of the tallest in the class. And then as time went on, I I edged out to the edges. Right. Because I was no longer the tallest in the class. So what they would do in the school photos is because obviously the poor photographers are doing thousands of kids in one day. There's no time to be posing everyone like a Vanity Fair cover. And can you imagine doing that with teenagers? (laughs) Oh, my God. No way. Mm. Uh, What they do is they would um, line everyone up. The small ones would be uh, cross-legged at the bottom. And and think also team team sport photos. Cross-legged on the floor. And then you would have Mm -hmm. the next tier would be sitting. And then there would be a tier Mm -hmm. behind that standing. And then they would have another platform for the next group to be standing on that. Guess where I started, Val? That's right. Were you little? Yeah, cross-legged on the floor. I didn't have my yeah. growth spurt till I was 17, actually. So uh, I was always the <laughs> little the one. the other way yeah, around. There you go. Um, so, and and then somehow, and, and that was also sport photos, and somehow that became the standard mm. for all future yes, group photos. Everywhere. And still is in a lot of, uh, mm. like you see, I see corporate images all the time where it's just like, Let's just line them up. We'll put and 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 everyone's either got their their fists on their knees, like hands are nice and neat mm. in a fist, or uh, the other one, the other go-to for most sport photos and a lot of corporate photos is I don't know how to say this delicately. Uh, yes. So the hands of the male and they'll do it with uh, females as well is the across the body in front of. The family jewels. Oh, okay, yes. Got it? Yes. So like That's, a goal. It's a protection stance. It's a protection stance. Well, it is a protection stance. That's what the body language says. But somehow someone mm. decided that that was the neatest way <laughs> to pose people and it still is. And so that's how everyone automatically stands for a corporate photo with their hands in front of them Um like that and I hate it like I just don't don't think it's flattering at all and uh, I think there are better ways Mm -hmm. to pose people so uh, it what what you end up with is just a square of or a rectangle of a large group of people so um, what you can do is um, obviously avoid hands in front of crotch because it's the closing the body language so open it up and what you want to do is try and um, 
position your groups so that they're staggered. So you've got some interest mm. in, in the image. And, and you can see that uh, the um, cover art for, for this week's uh, episode, you can see an example of uh, how I've staggered a large group of people. It doesn't have to be quite that dynamic. But what I like to do is bring in um, furniture or boxes or plinths or things like that to stagger the group and have, I like to have three or four tiers in my group. So I, I will have, if it's not a corporate group and it's say maybe a more casual family or a cast shot, I will place the smaller people in the group on the floor and then I'll place uh, the next level, say, on uh, lower chairs or at, at seated, and then I'll have people on higher stools and then people stand standing. So it's a staggered. And um, I'll put the episode number in the show notes. Uh, you'll probably find it before, Val, but there is an episode where I go into great detail on how I actually pose everyone and the different styles of group posing that I do uh, Val it's it's one of the very early episodes of the podcast okay. and and I run through how that's all done so and and it's also in the um, posing course that we have as well where I'll show you how to set everything up uh, and how to pose and 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 stagger them all so that 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 all looks great but but what I want to do is give you as much information as possible we'd be here for three weeks if I broke it down today but so basically you want to get flow and um, variation of uh, heights and sizes to make the portrait a lot more interesting does that make sense yep for sure all right so a couple of things that you want to be thinking about in terms of um, uh, how you can make uh, flatter the entire group and you can uh, use force perspective to your advantage. So if you've got someone who is uh, smaller or slighter of frame, uh, you want to bring those people forward, uh, so into the front of the group. Sure. Because... Mm-hmm. Anyone closer to the camera is going to appear slightly larger. And that's a good tip if you're ever, um, you know, hey, let's get a group shot of everyone. Never be the person on the, you know, and they're just doing it with their phone. Never be the person on the end closest to the camera because you're going to be the one that's biggest. Always position yourself in the middle of that group. Always. Okay. Okay. And then you'll always look sure. your normal size. You're not going to look uh, larger. So the smaller people, bring them f- forward, uh, up the front, and um, right, they're going to look larger. Uh, anyone who is uh, larger and uh, like a larger frame, then push them mm-hmm. to the back of the group. So you'll put them in the back row. But what and if they're short? F- further away from the camera. If they're short and larger short? in frame. Mm. put them in the middle that's the big uh, compromise there okay Okay. Uh, the other thing is if you've uh, just uh, if you have someone who is a larger framed then you can also overlap them with other people and that gives the optical illusion Mm. so if you're doing a group of three and you've got two um, and they're all the same height two people that are slight of frame and one people that one person that's slightly larger then you put the larger person behind and the two slighter frame people overlapping just in front of that person and that will give the optical illusion that the larger frame person is uh, more in proportion with the slighter frame person 
Yeah. All right. And the yeah. other thing I like to do is give everyone, if you can also give everyone uh, space around them, then that also looks a lot better as well for just the, the positioning of how everyone looks. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the other thing you want to look for when you're doing a large group is, and uh, this is also when you're scouting, is look for an area where there has there is a slight incline because if you're positioning a large group then you can use that natural incline to have the people at the back slightly higher and the people at the front slightly lower so um some uh, examples that i've used in the past is stadium seating you know how that's on an an angle where you can have Mm. the the like a, a family or a large you know a team of um athletes the you know it's staggered and uh there's the slope so that you get to see everyone or a hill like a slight um Mm. hill like a grass and and you can have everyone staggered uh or uh steps are also fantastic to arrange a large group of people and that way you can see um everyone at the back and everyone at the front and you can see their entire body now what a lot of Uh, photographers prefer to do when they're shooting large groups is just get on a ladder and shoot everyone straight down I don't love this for the reason that again it's that um when you're shooting down looking down on people it looks weird it does look weird and it It minimizes their energy it makes everybody look so much so many um so many wedding shots I see like this yeah and um yeah, I see um, at conferences yeah. as well. They will often the photographer will actually go to the next because conferences are in large buildings. Yeah. The photographer will often go to the floor above, like the mezzanine, yeah. and shoot down. It just doesn't look so good. So, what it does is it foreshortens everyone. So, it makes everyone look a lot shorter and squatter because you're shooting down yeah. on, some, on some, someone. And so, and often uh, people will combine this shot, shot overhead with hands over the crutch and um and a wide angle lens so the people at the front of the group are huge and the people at the back of the group pinheads and then they're also all got their hands in front of their body closed body language and then there's that awkward angle so it's not always like if you're shooting 200 people it's you can't just find the, the slope and and so there there are situations where you have no choice but to just get up above and and shoot it that way but if you've got 20 30 people then you can look for a large stairwell or a slope or things like that it's just thinking about it that way it's steps and things like that or working out ways that you can stagger it or build plinths if you've got time to just Mm. um it just looks so much better and it is so worth spending that extra little bit of time Mm. all right so true so true yeah okay all right so the next um area is styling and this is so important and i don't mean that you get a whole group of you know the best stylists in the world to deck everyone out and or do you know make everyone wear matching outfits just some little one percenters here of um Mm. you want to make sure that when you're planning the shoot that you are sending out some sort of information to everyone that's coming along on the day with some suggestions so if you just say nothing then Someone's mm. going to turn up wearing a, a really loud orange. A Hawaiian Hawa- shirt. I was going to say Hawaiian shirt. Oh. There you go. And whereas everyone else is in navy suits, 
And then that yeah. one, your eye just automatically goes to that person, right? Or mm. um, stripes or um, shirts that have got huge logos and things like that or patterns um, it, or just loud, bright colours. And when you've got lots and lots of p- people, it just looks like a hot mess when you've got a group. So it's mm. not that you need to get everyone to just be wearing Uh, the same because then it looks like a school photo if everyone's dressed the same but you can just ask everyone to kind of maybe choose neutral colors or block colors and avoid stripes logos and patterns the other thing you want to do is make sure that you take the time to give everyone a once over just check them out before you're positioning them in the shot and so this can be uh, a great time that if you're doing a large group, I think you really need to have that extra set of eyes. So um, someone from the company, someone that, that knows Ooh. everyone's name is really important because otherwise yes. you're going, you, no, 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 you, the, no, the lady yeah. with the blonde, oh, sorry, you're a man, sorry, um, the the guy, Dave, Dave that's it, yeah, the, that that's awkward. So if you've got someone yeah. right next to you who's going, that's Sharon, Sharon. Yeah, Sharon, can you just, yeah, great. It's, that really helps. And then someone that you've brought along that is also an extra set of eyes. So you want to be checking for um, all the little details, uh, you know, making sure that everyone's clothes fit them well, that they've, they've done their buttons up properly. They've got their shoelaces tied up. They're not wearing, um, you know, uh, socks or shoe. They've got they're both their shoes match. Believe me, mm. people have turned up with different shoes. It happens. Mm. Um, and, of course, just even the simple thing of some people, I don't know what they are thinking because I was at a restaurant the other day and for some reason I had to take a group shot anyway. It doesn't matter. So I got them on the stairs. And I don't know what people think, but they – I had to say numerous times, if you can't see me, yeah. I can't see you. Yeah. How do they how they think the camera is actually going to go around somebody in order to to capture them is beyond me and they go oh yeah and then they pop their head out and so it's when you're shooting a lot of people it can be easy to miss those people that's why an extra person yeah. or a second person is really useful to spot those people who somehow think that the camera is going to find them even though they can't see the camera there's people that do that deliberately though they hide and so i'm always yes, on the lookout course. for those hiders and i'll just stop the shoot and go dave i can't see you you need to step out and then there's also that desire to just for some reason people just need to huddle together and they're all on top of each other so i'm constantly saying no no you need to spread out you need to spread out so um mm. Back to the styling, Val. We'll, we'll just yes. make sure that people's jackets fit well. So there are people mm. like it might be that you're doing a group shot at a wedding and Uncle Uncle Stan <laughs> dusted it out his suit. He hasn't worn it for five years and yes. he didn't realise that it doesn't fit him years. anymore, right? <laughs> and yep. it, it, it fit him five years ago but now he can't button it up and he realized on the day so Mm. and he's tried to have a a good go at buttoning it up and you just need to maybe tell him let's leave it unbuttoned so things like Mm. that people have their their ties are awkward or or um, hair is all skew if or jewelry not right these little things can really be a pain to have to fix in in post-production so you just want to make sure that you just check all these little details all right the other thing that's crucial and this comes down to the planning when you're planning the shoot that you want to allow enough time 
to pose and direct the shoot. And so Jan in accounts, when she hires you, is going to say, well, it took me a minute to walk into this tiny little box that I've designated for the shoot and take the shot. And most people assume that you're going to take three frames and it's done. And it's a matter of just bang everyone together, take the shot, that's done. So you need to explain that you'll need a minimum. I need a minimum of ask for a lot of time and then hope that they'll give you half that amount. So, you know, in an ideal world, if I was doing a group shot, I'm like, I want half a day. You never get half a day. I always ask for half a day. You might get 30 minutes. If you're lucky, it'll probably be 10. But that but that's better than a one minute that they allow. And there's nothing worse, especially when you're doing those corporate shots that mm. like um, John, John needs to go. The general manager's got a meeting. He, he <laughs> we, we told him only a minute and now he's getting annoyed. All right. So, but if they know ahead of time, then everybody calms down. And, and, and so if you ask for 15 and then you take 10, you're an even bigger hero because you just saved everyone five minutes. It's a big deal. It really is. So um, Mm. allow enough time so that you can give everyone the once over and then position them into place one at a time. So the larger the group, the more time you're going to need. Okay. What else? So um, this is so important. Test test, retest. So you want to go out ahead of time, especially if you're new to this and you want to test your lighting, you want to test your composition and you want to test your camera angles before everyone arrives. So if it's a corporate shoot that I'm doing, I will get to the location and then I will just borrow bodies. It might be out of the cafe or the cleaner or I don't care who it is. I just need bodies and I'll I'll just get them to fit. I've used... um, uh, caterers. Uh, I've just gone into the kitchen and I'm like, hey guys, do you want a group shot? <laughs> Can you come in? I just need to test my lights. And then um, it worked so well for me because I they got this beautiful shot and then I gave it to them. And then the mm. next year I did the same event. Guess who got free food every day? Like the <laughs> most amazing food. So um, you Great. can use it to your advantage and, and people love it. So just get those bodies and even say you're doing a group of 20 people, but you can only physically get your hands on five people. Then just sure. keep moving them around in different places to make sure that the light is even in every spot. So you want to be looking at yeah. the lighting. And the next thing you want to be looking at is that you're sharp in every area of the frame and there's nothing growing out of people's heads. So that's that you want to be taking that time to test that. So you're testing your camera angle and you're testing your composition you're testing that your light is even throughout the shot and you're also testing that your frame is sharp from the front, the person at the very front of the group to the person at the very back of the group. All right? Yeah. Yes. So the other thing that you want to make sure that when you're shooting the actual shot, and this is uh, this is a must, not negotiable, uh, use a tripod. This will save you so much time and effort. The reason I say to use a tripod is you set it up and nothing changes. So you'll you'll get your tripod in position, you do your test shot, and then you bring everyone in and um, you set up your focus point and you want to make sure that you're focusing a third of the way in. And I think we talked about this uh, in last week's episode, Val, and there are diagrams there as well that talk about that. But you'll get the maximum focus if you focus a third of the way in. 
Once you've got your focus, you lock off your focus. So if you're shooting with autofocus, you get your focus first using the autofocus function of the camera, and then you turn it off and don't touch anything on the camera. Don't change your focal length. Don't touch anything. So you've made sure that you've got your um, uh, width set so that you know that they're the parameters i can have a per these are the edges of frame this is the top of frame and this is the bottom of frame you've set it up and uh you've locked off your focus then when you've got your entire group in you tell them at the start i'm going to be shooting 15 frames guys it's going to take 10 minutes but I need to shoot the 15 frames because, and I often joke, I, I like I'll say, I'm not very good at this. I need to shoot 15 frames. And everyone laughs and <laughs> oh, you're not very good at it. Um, mm-hmm. But but you just need to make sure that if you tell them in advance, then then, then, then you're not going to shoot two frames and then everybody breaks, which they is break what away, happens yeah. all the time. So Start talking. Yeah. Oh my God. So, so make sure that you start, I'm going to shoot 15 frames. And the advantage of using a tripod is when you've got it might be a family group a group of portraits often what happens is everyone looks great and there's always that one person that blinks so and you're looking for the shot oh he blinked that one's great but oh he's got a funny face if your Mm. camera is locked off and you take these 15 frames what you can do in photoshop is you can combine those 15 frames and you can just cherry pick the best shot of everyone yeah. And it's so easy to do. Fantastic. All right. So, and often you'll get the little kid at the front that just doesn't mm-hmm. behave themselves. So you can just yes. even um, get everyone to, you know, break from the shot and just focus on that little kid to, to get them to look good uh, in mm. the shot. All right. So um, having, uh, the, and, and you're also with the assistant that is helping you, that extra set of eyes, you want to be looking at making sure that people don't have hair over their eyes. For some reason, like hairstyles drop or someone's just got that loop of hair that just funnily just popped up or dirty faces yeah, or there's a drink bottle in the background or someone's... Oh, yes, like in the Downton Abbey cast shot that you know, is set in the, meant to be in the 1930s or whatever, but then there's a was that, modern day water bottle. No, no, hang on. Was that, um, that also happened in. No, a, there was a, there, there another, was a Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. That was deliberate, I heard. Really? Yeah, an advertising thing. Because how much advertising no. did they get? Yeah. How, well, how much was the show talked about? Yeah, sure. Mm. But, you know, but uh, I mean, but once, I don't know if I've told you this, but once I was, uh, supporting cast in a cop show <laughs> and um, of you were. <laughs> it's a, we were filming a scene where um, a bomb went off or a bomb was about to go off. Oh no, the bomb did go off. That's right. I remember having dirt on my face. And um, in one of the breaks between takes, I had gotten me and a cast member, well, one of the key cast members, um, a glass of water, Well, but it was in a coffee cup, mm-hmm. you know, like a disposable cup. And I had my glass of water and that was the end of that. She had her, well, it wasn't a glass, the disposable cup. But at the end of filming for the night, it was like 5 a.m. by then. She's, we've shot every scene. And then she goes, if a bomb's gone off, why am I having a cup of coffee? <gasps> it was in every single oh shot. Oh, my God. Val. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So, 
Yeah, we didn't refilm. That's why I believe the Game of Thrones thing was probably real. <laughs> Do you know how many sets of eyes had to look at that still? Yeah, crazy. Yeah, right? so there's no way that that would have gotten through. Mm-hmm. Um, so you d- t- having to retouch a drink bottle or something that's left behind by accident is a real pain. So you just want to make mm-hmm. sure that you do a final sweep of your set to make sure that there aren't any you know, bags, all of all of that sort of stuff. Check the collars, crooked ties, and everything. All right. So mm-hmm. when it comes to direction, as I said, you want to shoot at least. 10 to 15 frames. It doesn't sound like a lot. It's actually a lot harder than it sounds because, again, you're standing in front of a large group of people, so it's going to feel a little bit intimidating. So, And people do lose interest after a few frames. So it's important that you keep the dialogue going. I talk constantly. You know this, Val. I just keep on talking, and it's often nonsense that comes out of my mouth. (laughs) As opposed to now, it's just nonsense, and I just but but there is, and it looks like I'm just being an idiot, but there is method to my madness. I am trying to keep the group entertained, and so the way that I do it, and I've seen this done other ways, where the photographer is just barking out orders and picking out the people who aren't doing what they're told, and mm. what you, what happens is the entire group turn. <laughs> And you get a lot of stage, you know, people talking out of their, the side of their mouth going, this guy's mm. a jerk. I don't like what, you know, I'm not doing anything, you know. And if you tell someone, no, that's wrong. I don't like what you're doing. I said, what are you, how are you going to react? I know how I'm going to react. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be all that, you know, willing to do. So I, f- I find that I get a lot better results if I ignore the people that aren't behaving and just continue to compliment the people that are. De- oh, my God, Jan, you look gorgeous. What have you done to your hair? You look, oh, when you smile like that, that looks fantastic. And you're st- perfect. You've got it perfect. That's beautiful. What happens is everyone else is like, why aren't they talking to me? How do I get attention? Mm. I know how do I get attention. I need to behave and stand in the way that I've been told. And so suddenly you find that everyone starts falling into line. And so the other thing that I do is in that time when people are arriving and mingling, I will go up to them and I'll say, okay, I've got a I've got a stance for you. Here's a way that you should stand. It's going to make you look amazing. And what I want you to do, mm. and this is our little secret, I don't want you to tell anyone in the group, but I want you to think about this in your head for the entire time that I'm photographing you. I'm a supermodel. That's all I want you to think about. <laughs> but don't tell anyone right and so I say that to everyone individually as they're coming in and quietly and then I get them into position and I've posed everyone nicely and then I'll say all right do you remember what I told you all individually don't tell anyone I want you to just think of that thing and then everyone will laugh and relax you you don't tell blokes you don't tell blokes I say it to blokes as well I'll say supermodel superhero I, I mix it up okay right and and Mm -hmm. when you tell a bloke i'm a superhero they they just nod and go yeah yeah i know yeah (laughs) (laughs) they do (laughs) totally they go yeah yeah yeah, that's about right yeah 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 um so that that works and then you've kind of you've taken that time to connect as everyone's coming in and then they know that i'm the boss I'm in charge here, but you're not really being super pushy and you're just being complimentary and you're not singling anyone out for doing the wrong thing. 
the mistake that a lot of newbies make in this situation is they're going to rush through the whole thing. Try and mm. slow it down because, and then as you're slowing it down, you're saying, I'm just making sure that everything's in focus. Include everyone in the group in the shoot. So it's our shoot. I want to make sure our shoot is fantastic. I want to make sure that our photos are really good. So you're you're making this a group thing. It's not about you anymore. And so they're thinking, oh, yeah, this is our shoot. We want to make sure that our photos look great. And so how can I help? Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you want to make sure that you're um, confident in, in front of the group. And so one thing that I found as a female, when if I uh, get excited and raise my voice, uh, it, it will sound shrill and no one will listen to it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's thinking of their mum nagging them, right? So what I tend to do is I make sure that I lower my voice rather than raise it and speak softer rather than louder because then everyone has to be quiet to hear me. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into um, shooting groups, isn't there? There is a lot. I'm wondering almost whether we need to do a part one and part two because we're almost at the end of this week's episode. We could do that. Do you want to do a part two on uh, lighting and gear? I think that one of the things that we're going to talk about next is lighting. And that is, I think that's a whole episode on its own. And I think that um, uh, we need to just treat it as a separate thing. All right. Because it's it's straight for, I know... Um, I know your strategies, uh, some of your strategies with with lighting, and even though it's straightforward, it is so important to get right. Okay. And once you get it right, and because the lighting also affects the depth of field and it affects where you're gonna where you're going to have your focal point, I think that that is something that people have to nail if they really want to get their group shots right. So yeah fantastic let's let's do a part one and part two okay so val we can't go Mm. without Mm. um i need Aussie slang of the week we've got so much (laughs) feedback thank you everyone and it's delighted me no end to get the everyone commenting in the facebook group opening up with um stoked which was our last aussie slang word of the week and people using it in a sentence and (laughs) someone taught their dog Stoke. Did you see that video with the dog? And (laughs) it's just hilarious. So I've got another one for everyone. And of course, once you've got the slang word of the week, I want you to use it in a sentence and you can share that Mm. in the Facebook group and then take it out into your community and get it out there. So the Aussie slang word for this week is sook. S double O K. And it's sook. Sook to sulk. If someone calls you a sook, it's because they think you are whinging or complain. Is whinging a slang word as well? No, whinging's a no. generic term. Whinging or complaining, right? Um, yes. There's an ex- so they go, oh, don't be a don't sook. Don't be a it's sook. It's not just whinging or complaining. It's kind of um, it's whinging and complaining in a poor me kind yeah, of way. Yeah, poor me. It's like you know, mm. oh my That's god, what I didn't. It means I, did, I I ordered a chai latte and it's cold. Didn't like it. That's having a sook, right? It's yes, yeah, that's right. Uh, and you can extend that to being a suki suki la la. 
Okay. A suki lala. A that's suki right. Lala. So that's <laughs> yeah. someone who sooks a lot. Is a suki lala. Yeah. So sook. You'd say you're 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 a suki lala. You're a suki lala. Is a good way to mm. to sledge someone or stop being a sook. Stop yeah. sooking. So I <laughs> want to see that in um in the Facebook group this week. It'd make me so happy. <laughs> All right, there you have it, Aussie slang of the week. (laughs) All right, so that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Um, Where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media, Instagram, um, Twitter, and all the others. And you can find me in the Facebook group. And I'm also... Uh, if you want to take your photography to the next level, then I'd love to work with you guys. And please do check out my goal community. You can go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Of course, you'll find all of the show notes of So You Want to Be a Photographer at ginamilitia.com. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.